Discover what's happening around our province with todayinbc.com. Sign up today to get the latest news right to your inbox and never miss the news that's important to you and your family. From community news in your neighborhood to what's happening in our province, your source for daily news is todayinbc.com. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association of Vancouver. From codes to kitchens, safety to sun decks, we'll take you behind the walls in all things home building design and renovation. And give you the ins and outs from the experts to help you build or renovate the right home for you. In plain language, focused on home building design and renovation. I'm Jennifer Lee Gunson. And I'm Mike Friedman. Now that you're here, why not hit subscribe and you'll never miss another episode. Hey, Mike, how is it going? It's another fantastic day, Jennifer Lee. Can you believe this is the last episode of season two? I know, season two has flown by. We've talked about laneway homes, adaptability, and aging in place, renovating condos, building duplexes, and just last week, the cost of building new with Shira from DOS Design Group. Well, I'm really excited about this week's episode. Both of our guests are great friends of mine, and we're going to take a deep dive and learn about how to work with numbers to decide if it makes sense for me to tear down my existing home, build new, or renovate. Ooh, I'm excited for this one. Yes, we've talked a lot about making the house work for you, but this episode is more about making your property work for you. And I'm looking forward to understanding the numbers too, because I'm starting to think about getting into the market, maybe to buy a condo, and I have questions around buying new or an older space and to renovate. Well, then let's welcome our guests and make some sense out of these numbers. Today, we have Bobby Perva by Design Construction Inc. and Max Value Vancouver and Elisa Aragon Lloyd of Bridgestone Financing Pros. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having us. You know, one of my favorite things about co-hosting this show is learning about the backstories, the people who are our guests. I love hearing the journey from where you were to where you are today. So before we begin, maybe you could tell us a little about your journey in this industry and how you came to be where you are today. And we're going to start with you, Bobby. Thanks, Mike. Coles Knowles would have it. I had a uh, corporate job, planes, trains, and automobiles, which um, wasn't fitting any longer. And uh, I made the move into what the family business was started in 1970s into um, real estate development, investment, and um, becoming a licensed builder about six years ago. And Elisa, I love learning about people as well. What is your background and what inspires you? My background, uh, my whole career actually has been real estate. I've been a financing expert for the last 10 years. Prior to that, I spent uh, 14 years working for developers such as Polygon, Lettingham McAllister, the Quick Group, Pinnacle, Solterra, and Hollyburn Properties that they own and manage their own buildings. So definitely I have a lot of real estate experience which is great. It really helps my clients and people that I work with. All right. Well, let's get into this and let's talk a little about um, financing home renovations and a little bit of the math and some of the things we might want to consider as we go down this road. Now, I can use myself as an example because I'm a prime example of someone who needs to be having this conversation. I own my own home. I've got about 10 or 11 years of equity in there. We have a mortgage, we have a family that's not growing, but they're growing up now. And this is a scenario which is common to many people living around Metro Vancouver. So let's talk about my home and let's talk about some of the options for me to consider because there are so many different ways to go and some of the challenges that we face are starting through all the different options to make the right choice because the right choice has a lot of positive implications. Talk a little about my home and my scenario and what I should be thinking about and where I should start. Sure, Mike common question even throughout COVID we've been having safe on-site meetings on client sites discussing that scenario exactly is how do we get more space I'm in a similar situation where we've outgrown our space with the girls growing up and a puppy in the home now and we're considering our options on where we move as well or what the next move could be 
So Mike, in, in your particular situation, I mean, let me, let me share a case study with you. Now, client of mine uh, bought a home. In fact, I was looking at the same property near my home with the view, nice quiet street, good home built in the late 70s, about 3,700 square feet. It had some infestations. It was a boarding home, a bunch of different things there that we had to work through. We redid the drywall. We blew out some rooms. We relayed out bathrooms. You know, I think they were into the land for about 1.5, if I can share some numbers. We pumped in about 200, 225. There's probably about a 200 lift there. So if we were to list that property today, they're probably be putting on for 1999, just under 2 million. And outside of the credit and the craze that we're in right now, in a flatter, more stable buyer-seller market, I think they'd still be making 200,000 on their 200,000 invested. Okay, I want to delve a little bit deeper because you and I have had this conversation before. And at one point, we were talking about new versus renovation. And obviously, some of the material costs have changed. How has that changed the nature of these discussions and the decision-making process? Absolutely. So if we take lumber, for instance, um, we're looking for new solutions on how we you know, manage properties. Um, do we develop them now? Clients are asking, should we push this off to next year? In fact, even some of the laneway clients that we have on our books, you know, hey, Bob, we might want to push this off because lumber prices, you know, three times above. We don't really want to be doing that. From an overall material price or thinking about your home build versus buy scenario, generally speaking, sharing some numbers, you know, a renovation, $150 to $300 a square foot, pretty wide range. Now, do we want to balance that off with, all right, building. Could we build, depending on the municipality, for 175 to 225 to 300 So all around scope, design, having your financier, your mortgage broker on hand to understand what's the capability on this property. Having your realtor on hand to understand what is the spec build for this. Is there a ROI for the client, Mike, for your home? Absolutely. When we do sit down and we crunch some numbers, I want your realtor there. I want to have that conversation with him or her to understand what are, are the parameters, what's the scope here. If you decided to renovate it, stay for a few years, depending on what your mortgage broker may be saying, can you still make a margin on it? Or do we want to up that build cost, rental cost, and just stay and live comfortably and, and just age in place there with the kids and, and three dogs? Bobby, you bring a very important point because what is the value of the home, right? Ultimately, the lender, when you're looking at financing or doing a new construction, they will see what will be the cost once it's completed, not what the cost is now plus the um, renovations or the build, right? So what is going to be the finished cost? So then, yes, the realtor will actually help us kind of give us a sense of idea. But ultimately, the lender will actually use the appraised value once the home is completed to determine how much they're going to lend. Absolutely. So as built or as completed appraisal, working with a team approach, as, as we've spoken about before, Mike, is really critical, engaging us early so we can set you up for success right from the start. So we can work with my interior designer and we can give you the upgrades and, and spend on the kitchen or the outdoor barbecue and get your home the lifestyle that you like. But we need that type of appraisal type of scenario of where we are today. Where can we get the lending to? How does that affect your cash flow every month? Because that's absolutely critical with the expense of living in Lower Mainland. 
and surrounding areas. So we don't want to have that risk element where we've done a beautiful reno, we didn't have the conversation with the financier, and now we're in a situation of, ooh, affordability. Well, not only that too, it's also knowing what you can and cannot do on the land because a lot of people have this misconception is like, oh, I can build a duplex in every municipality. That's not the truth. So working with a builder early enough to figure out, hey, is this plausible? Can I put a laneway here? Can I do a duplex? Like, what are my options? Absolutely. So feasibility, we're constantly today, in fact, today, uh, from 3 till 7 p.m., we're seeing three clients between East Vancouver and U.S. Minister. And we're talking about exactly the feasibility. There are misnomers out there around some of these smaller buildings at the back of the home or at the side of the home. And we're helping people understand the differences between an infill, sellable unit, versus a coach home, versus a carriage home, square footage, and then every municipality is a little bit different. So just to chime in on your, your comment there, was the misunderstanding that folks may have is everything is feasible all the time. Some of this comes from, you know, Vancouver made a great decision a few years ago. They made all lots that are RS1 zoned automatic outright duplex. So no rezoning, they really sped up the path to having density quicker. It's not as quick as we'd like for permitting, not like Burnaby, four months. We're still, you know, with COVID time, we're looking at six to nine months, more like nine-ish or longer for an outright duplex project. But that's some of the clarity we're delivering to our clients and as we speak to them through the channels they come through. I think that underscores the team approach, though, because you have to have the right people around you. I did a previous episode where we talked about duplexes and I was all excited because I'm like, oh, I'll just do a duplex. And I went home where I live. It has to be at least a 10,000 square foot lot before you can put a duplex in there. So that underscored how even a municipality just a few minutes from here is a totally different playing field. And I knew where to look, but the average consumer, the average homeowner doesn't know where to look. And that just that just means they need to talk even more closely with you because before they put that off run of that place, before they consider doing that project, they have to know what they can and they can't do. And that should affect their buying and, and where they choose to purchase. Well, I think sometimes too, when people are looking to purchase land, they don't think of the builder because they're like, oh, I don't want to bother the builder until I know exactly that I've got the piece the land everything's approved and now i can move forward to building but you as a builder bobby do you do you welcome people coming to you and be like hey i have this idea i want to kind of live in this area what what are your thoughts so the the importance of having the team put together really early on in we named the company by design we're all building we're all developing we're all doing some value added activity for all of our clients irrespective of the space we work in the company name by design is so we're building by design we're speaking by design early on in engaging clients early. We wanna have your financing by design, your interior by design, your construction timelines by design, your project vision wish lists by design, early, early, early. Three years, maybe seven home shows at the BC Home and Garden Show and at the uh, convention center. That was one of the first things I'd tell the clients is listen, ask me now, ask me often, there's no dumb questions. So currently we're out on the street, safe COVID meetings, having those conversations engage early and still clients have this idea like you said is around oh we're not ready yet we don't have our plans well do those plans fit your realistic plan is, is it is it achievable we want to be there early on in to show you how you can get there always starting at the beginning is always helpful and in the end let's face it it will save you less of a headache and sometimes can equate to uh, less money spent depending on how good your plan is and if everything falls into place yeah, and I think you also underscored why we'd want to bring that team in early because it's not just the design. It's not just the builder. It's not just the real estate agent. I know with what my wish list for my house versus what I can get approved for, there's a significant gap. I, I mean, I had to eliminate the helicopter landing pad, <laughs> the indoor pool, the grotto. 
And so for me, the first person I would think to talk to before we start going down any of these other roads is the person who's going to get us the money. Elisa, let's talk a little about that because that's a really important part of financing this. How is the market out there in terms of how easy is it to get a loan? We're in a period of somewhat economic uncertainty. Is it harder or more difficult to get financing for a project that we want to do now? It's not necessarily harder. You can always get the money. The reality is how much are you willing to pay for it? Because there's different types of lenders. So you have your banks, you know, called the A lenders. You have B, the B lenders that the ratios are a little bit higher in order for you to qualify and they don't require as much documentation or they will use alternative documentation that say the banks won't use. And then you have your private lenders. That's a little bit more expensive money, but it's more based on the equity. So we would look at what is the best option for the client. However, like Mike was saying, yes, it's very important to determine how much you actually qualify for because of COVID and unfortunately has affected a lot of industries like the hospital industry, the travel industry. So lenders are actually asking for a lot more documentation than they used to. So I mean, it is quite a lot of paperwork to get approved, especially when you're looking at a construction mortgage. And that is when you having the right team is really important from the beginning, because the reality is you can't have a builder give you something, but you don't know how much it's going to cost or see if you're going to qualify. So you have to work together from the beginning. Well, you also said you can always get money, but how are you managing people's expectations as a mortgage broker? Because eventually you're going to have to pay the money back. And I think that's the thing people don't realize. And like Mike said, we are going through a time of uncertainty. We don't know what the five to 10 years are going to hold. And so we could see a big dip in the economy and we don't know yet. So if you're getting all this money and saying overextending yourself now, you could be in trouble down the road, can't you? It's a very important question. And that's when I talk to clients, I say it's not only what you're actually qualified, what's the maximum you're qualified for is what you're comfortably paying on a monthly basis. So I usually give them two calculations. So based on that, as they start looking for new homes, in your case, then you would actually see what you're actually comfortable with. And we can always look at revise the numbers as you start looking at properties, right? Now, for you being able to qualify it, and that's why because rates were so low for the longest times, yes, the government was concerned uh, that people wouldn't be able to afford the homes once they interest rates moved up. So in that case, the stress test was introduced quite a few years ago. And if you're in cases of refinancing or taking equity out of your home to do renovations, you're qualifying at the greater of the contract rate. So the contract rate is whatever rate you have, or you're going to be paying plus 2% or the greater of, which is the benchmark of Canada. And right now it's at 4.79. So the reality is you might be paying around one and a half to a little bit over 2%, depending what you're looking at. And then based on that, you're still qualifying at 4.79. That's not the rate you're paying, but you're qualifying at that. So that actually protects it. So when the government, if rates eventually move up, when they do, then people will be able to qualify and then all of a sudden not go foreclosure or not be able to afford those payments. So there's a buffer there. Okay, so it sounds like if you're working with the right financial professional, they can do two things. Number one, they can help you finance your project. And number two, they can help you mitigate your risk and almost serve as a financial advisor to help you make good decisions to lower your risk. Am I correct in that assessment? Yeah, I I mean, it's important who you work with. Absolutely, right? And it's not only like... One of the things that I that a lot of clients seem to like with me is because, and I have gotten a lot of comments about it, is that I explain things of why there are certain ways. It's not like, sorry, you can't qualify for this. It's like, no, you can't qualify because they qualify you based on this. Or if we do this strategy, then we would be able to help you do this as long as you're comfortable. Like, for example, we we're talking about laying houses, coach houses. Different lenders use different percentages if it's a 
um, to help you to help qualify the rental income to help you qualify, right? So they will use some of the rental income to help you qualify. Most banks only use, say, 50%. I have other lenders. They're still fairly regulated that so you can go up to 90% of the rental income. So you'll be able to qualify for more by using a higher percentage of the rental income. Great point. I'm going to just chime in here on fit, right? And one thing is around assembling the right team. Like who needs to be a part of this thing? And then who speaks to speaks and walks to walk? So what you're hitting there is bang on under the hood of my business is the right finance partners. Understanding the economic rents that can make or break deals, whether you're buying your first house <laughs> with a rental suite of one bedroom and how will that rental income allow you to get approved so you can actually purchase that home beyond thinking about, okay, now what can I renovate that home with? So there's these offsetting you know, variables, levers, I call them, whether it's my architect or my finance person, there's these levers that they are have deep knowledge of. And as long as they're plugged in and it's a good fit for you on your communication flow on the knowledge they're sharing and you get it then that's building a good team so uh, you know i can't stress enough engage early have those conversations and i think part of that also what jen was talking about earlier is you got to ask yourself those tough questions of the wish list and the need and the want and i feel that some folks are really hesitating that so they bring the builder or the, or the banker in late in the game and now they're already set their heart on i gotta have that kitchen i gotta have that stove the floor has to be x right so having that self-conversation look at yourself difficult conversation with your spouse or other half whatever the arrangement is do it do it now do it early there's always going to be opportunity in real estate. My father was always telling me as a young kid and still to, reminds me at 80 years old, you know, there's always opportunities. Make sure you're making the right decisions. Have those conversations. Build those spreadsheets and make sure it's a good fit of who you're working with. So back to economic rents and kind of fiscal policy, you know, we're looking at putting some large dollars out and you know, our concern is around how are we going to get approved on this thing and how long are we going to hold it and how will the rents be factored in, whether it's two houses being assembled or three or four, we need to figure out the economic rents here. So, you know, we need to have that conversation probably today. Fiscal policy, what's the government going to be doing? We're uncertain at this point, but, you know, the expectation is that there could be some changes coming down the pike here because the market is really, really hot. Yeah, and I, I love what you said about, like, having realistic expectations because, of course, we all have wants and dreams and there's nothing wrong with that. But you do have to have a little bit of, like, okay, is, should I be doing this to like 100% at the moment? Should I be like, you know, we need to take so many things in factor, like you said, uh, what's going on federally, what's going on in our own environment. And a lot of times, you know, we just want to look through all the pages of, um, or online now on Instagram and be like, oh, I want that or house or, or, or whatever. But you got to have a talk with yourself of like, what's important to me today and what's going to help me in the future. And I don't want to kill anyone's dreams because I'm very practical that way, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is probably not the best way to be. But I just always like to know exactly what I'm getting myself into. And that's why I like at least your approach, because when I talk to other mortgage brokers, sometimes it's like they're talking total different language than I am. And I'm like, I don't understand at all what's going on. <laughs> so on, the, on that note, I wanted to actually ask Elisa something around, you know, the commercial side of the, the business, right? There is this other language and there's this whole other speak. And for listeners who own properties that could be rezoned or assembled, this, this could be of good value, mm -hmm. is around the financing piece when you're looking at different municipalities right. and different council members and initiatives inside of those offices, the mayor office, for example, um, and green initiatives, solar panels, these types of things. H how do you look at those 
factors like which municipality is this project potentially in does that affect your not really no that's more for you guys because of the permits and uh, for builders it's definitely more for builders because obviously the length of the permits how long it's going to take and everything else and there's different requirements uh with different municipalities some of them are requiring different uh, levels of step code so no that would be more you a lot of them haven't gone too much like i have a client uh he just finished his passive home and he had to fork out a lot of money up front, especially like windows were very expensive and everything else. And that is why, again, it's important having the right team in place. And that's why I say to clients is like, don't look at a builder just like at the dollars and cents. Look at the relationship. How are they going to be involved? And they have to be knowledgeable in what they're doing because the lender will want you to use your own money, whether that's equity or investments that you have ahead of time. They're not going to just give you the money right off the bat. Right. So you're using the equity or the or your own funds first. And then once you get to a certain stage, there's typically four stages in construction for financing. And then at that point, um, they will actually release more funds. And it's based on how much has been completed in the home. So while he had to order the windows from Germany, you know, he had to pay a lot of money at front. Well, the windows weren't installed. So even though he had to pay them ahead of time, the lender wouldn't really release those funds until those windows were installed. What are the four stages? So there's typically four draws that they would do. One would be the land draw, which will be the initial draw. So if you actually have um, your own your own property, then um, at that point, there's a certain percentage they will actually release. Then the next one is at um, foundation. So once a foundation is built, then you have once it's framed, then once it's lock up, lock up means all the windows and all like windows, doors, the house is essentially locked in, right? And then you're just finishing the interior, the landscaping and everything else. And then the last one is the complete. So usually in this case, what usually happens is people have tons of equity. Sometimes m- most people might not even have a mortgage on it, but they have a line of credit. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to use the line of credit to tear down the house and do the financing. It's like, actually, that's not really the way to do it. Some people are like, oh, well, I have a line of credit, you know, I have money available. And so that the reality is the line of credit is secure to the house. Once you tear down that house down, the security is the land, right? And it's not enough for the lender. So they could actually demand the loan. So you could be in mid-construction. If the lender actually finds out that you tear down the house, they can demand the loan. So now you're stuck because you have to pay your existing lender out, usually bank, and then you have to go and get financing in the middle of the construction, which is a lot harder to do. Like I mentioned before, we can always get you money, but how much are you willing to pay for that money? So this is what I term Mike creative financing, right? And there's been enough time has passed and people still have the mindset that this is still a viable option, but the banks have gotten smarter too because the risk for them is much higher. You've essentially taken a home, an asset, Mm -hmm. on land, now the asset is gone, all you've got is land, but the equity that they were giving you, the line of credit, was based on the home's value plus the land value. Mm-hmm. The house is gone. Yeah. So your 300 grand is not 300 anymore. And you know you may be in a bit of trouble and maybe you need private financing or you need some bridge financing. Yeah, and so for example, I have a client that came and he had already started the renovations. I walked into the home and pretty well, like, you know, everything was gutted. So no walls, not everything else. And it's like, okay. And they're like, we need money. And I'm like, okay, at this point, we're going to have to get you either you get the money to finish the construction and then we can get you financing at the end. Or uh, we get you private lending, which we actually had to do. 
it's a little bit more expensive. It just costs them a little bit more, but that was the only way. So it was enough money to get them to the point where they could actually finish the home. And then at that point, then we got them long-term financing. Oh, so much for you to think about, Mike. I'm like, are you? Never, I want to know what you're going to do with your own property after hearing all this. Well, I, have, I now have three to 500,000 more reasons to talk to the right team of people before I start the project. Because at the end of the day, and we talk about this in every episode, it's the team of people you assemble around you. Alisa has just given us a great example where something that's very logical for an educated professional go, oh, I'll just use my line of credit could really end up hurting us and being significantly detrimental to our progress and our finances. So to me, an ounce of prevention is worth $300,000 worth of cure. And just to mention with uh, the construction financing, it's a very different type of financing. It's not like you go to the bank, well, you do go to to a lender, but I mean, it's not that, okay, you just get a rate for five years and then whether it's a variable or fixed and then you're set. No, construction loans are very different. Not a lot of people understand how to do them because there's a lot of process to it. And again, you're there through the whole construction, right? So you're, and that's why working with a builder that knows what they're doing is important because if you're not at the right stages with the builder, when the builder's going to require some funds or the next draw and the construction is not a certain point, then the client is going to have to find the money somewhere to carry to the next point because the builder's going to, they're like, they're not going to finish the project if they're not getting paid. But the lender's not going to give you money if you haven't reached a certain point. And it's important, like you said, to have the right builder, but the right mortgage broker, because I didn't realize when you're doing it on a construction process that you're there through all the steps. So it's important that you're going to have somebody that's going to do their due diligence and keep you to task. Like you don't want your mortgage broker to just like peace off and not <laughs> peace out and let, <laughs> let you guys handle it. Right. Like, yeah. so it takes a good combo between builder, mortgage broker, owner, and then the whole other people that go into the team. Yeah. I can only speak of myself I don't know what other people do but yeah it's, it's having that that team in place right and having the right strategy Bobby and Elisa this is awesome information for people who own a home I want to chat about getting into the market I'm excited about that but first we need to take a quick break to thank our podcast sponsors so hang in and we'll be back in 30 seconds measure twice cut once is grateful for the support from our podcast partners BC housing BC hydro and Fortis BC their support helps us share expert knowledge and resources like you're hearing today from Bobby and Elisa to help you build finance design and renovate the right home for you. And speaking of resources, the BC Energy Step Code program is a provincial standard that is moving the entire home building industry forward to build homes to better energy efficiency standards, which means better comfort, health, and safety. Be sure to check out betterhomesbc.ca where you will find a variety of rebates for construction materials, home energy evaluations, plus mortgage and tax refunds. There are also rebates for renovations too. Just click on the rebate search tool button on the homepage of betterhomesbc.ca to find the cost-saving resources for your next project or talk with your licensed builder or professional contractor. They'll help guide you. Now let's get back to Bobby and Elisa. Okay, so I'm excited about this one. We talked a little bit about what Mike wants to do. Now it's time for what I want to do. Um, I, you know, in the last few years, it's been a lot of frustration, which I'm sure a lot of millennials like myself <laughs> can agree. It's hard. It, it's hard hard in many different ways for many different factors for all of us. So I've had a lot of different issues because I've had a down payment, but there's other issues to go with it. So I think that's the thing is it's like we all hear about this magical word like you need the down payment, 
but then you go to a mortgage broker and there's way more things to it. <laughs> so where do we start? Like give us a basic like start. One of the things that we would look at is what are your plans? What are you wanting to do? Yes, you definitely will need the down payment. Lenders also use or look at your income because it's fairly important as well. It's like, how are you going to pay for the mortgage? And they will also look at uh, the property. So especially if you're looking right now at stratus and condos, um, they have to approve the property as well. It's not just, you know, they might not have an issue with you. You might be a great candidate, get a, a mortgage. However, if there's an issue with the building, they might not approve it. Credit is important because there's two ratios lenders will look at and one of them to qualify you. One of them is called the GDS, which is the gross debt service ratio. And that would be, for example, property taxes, strata fees, the mortgage payments and heating. And depending on the credit, it cannot exceed between 35 to 39% of your gross income. So your income before taxes. The other one is called the TDS, which is the total debt service ratio. And in that case would be the GDS that I just mentioned, plus any other debts you have. So if you have any car loans, credit cards, um, anything like that, that would actually impact it, right? And that cannot exceed more than 42 to 44% of your gross income. Again, right now you're qualifying at 4.79, right? So you're qualifying at a higher rate. So that's the rate we use to help you qualify. There's just so many questions because I, like I said, this is something that I've been on a journey in the last few years, but, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm always curious about the question, like how important is credit? Because you were talking about that, but like, I have a perfect credit score. I know a lot of people have perfect credit scores, but I still feel like we're jumping through 20 flaming hoops to get approved. <laughs> um, it is. And I mean, it is a big decision, right? And that's why, and I tell my clients ask, and like Bobby said, ask as many questions you have, even if it's the same question. 20 times it doesn't matter you're very good at what you do but so am I right so I will do and I'll explain things so you feel more comfortable because it's very daunting whether you're buying a home you're building a home uh, you're renovating like this is not your area of expertise and that's okay but that's why we're here and the experts are here to help you and guide you through the process and explain it to you so you feel comfortable. And we're talking about when is the right time for you to buy. Yes, interest rates are going to move up. Interest rates are going to be moved down. There's going to be changes in the market. There's going to be changes in policy and everything else. But ultimately, when is your right, the right time for you, right? Because things are going to happen. But let's focus on when, when is the right time for you. I'll still get you a phenomenal rate with the best mortgage, with the best rates and best terms. But when is the right time? When Bobby was saying, it's like, well, lumber prices are going to are really high right now. It's like, well, the reality is we don't know if they're going to continue increasing. They might go down, right? But if you're going to wait until like prices come down, like I had a client, like he was waiting until prices come down. It's like, because, and he's like, oh, I just don't want to pay too much. And now he's actually buying a home. I just got the approval for him. Because now he has where he's living, they're going to sell the place and he needs to find a home for his for his family. And he's like, I'm tired of moving. So I am finally going to buy now. But he he could have bought something two years ago. Right. So when is the right time? Don't expectulate on the market what's going to happen. I mean, that's investors. If you're buying for yourself, you're building for yourself. This is for you. Right. This is like you really have to decide. And when is the right time for you? The rest will work out itself. I love that you said that because I have felt so much pressure in the last few years and I just have to shut off social media and the news because at the end of the day, it's like I remember these people are not buying with me. <laughs> I'm buying for myself. And, and I always tell people, I said, I'm going to do it when I'm ready. I don't need you to pressure me 
to do it. And I'm thankful that you finally put that out there because I think a lot of us in the millennial group, we just feel so pressured. Like, oh, we have to do it now or we're never going to do it. Yeah, things are going to happen. And yes, you take opportunities when it happens. Like, you know, there's a potential change in you know policies like well yeah let's look at it now if it's something that you're looking at doing now like why why wait you know six months from now but he's ready to do it now right so yeah sometimes it it encourages you to do it a little bit sooner but it has to be the right time for everybody right and that's i think i would say that's with everything in life like yes we do have a lot of pressures that come from other places but ultimately you have to do what's right for you we're spoiled now with the internet we are so click oriented or you know, back in the day, a little ways back, they'd call it, you know, we're coin operated. Coin goes in, coin goes in, you pull the lever at the casino, whatever have you. We're expecting things to happen instantly because we live in an instant life, right? There used to be one instant coffee before, and now we've got Tazimo, we've got instant espresso with Nespresso, right? We, we're so coin operated to we want it now quickly, and we get distracted with, uh, that distracts us from the reality that real estate is a long-term game. Real estate isn't, I bought this condo for 300. Oh, now it's only worth 280, or now it's worth 500. And we're gonna see those fluctuations. And Vancouver is a, an interesting market space for studies for the future generations, and even for today, trying to understand what's going on here. But it's a long-term game. So if you're looking at a mortgage of five years, think five years, this is a five-year plan here. So your purchase decision today isn't necessarily detrimental it's only detrimental or fear and risk comes right to your face in your nose um strong and hard that that's a lot of money today in five years this is an asset that you're paying down this is a place where you're building equity this is a place where you're upgrading your lifestyle this is a place where you have great conversations and sit and and meet people so we get distracted because of but i want the instant now tell me the answer what that looks like five years from now you know, but it's a, it's a journey through real estate. But I think you just hit it on the head. I think people forget. I'm also going to, most of us are going to live in these places and we forget about that because I think real estate is so glamorized in the last few years that people are like, it's a quick buck. Like I'm going to do it and I'm going to get my first home and, and, and every my age group says, I'm going to do this and I'm going to quickly sell and I'm going to make all this money. And that's not the case. Like you said, it takes time. And I think that's something that we forget. And I don't know if it's just my age group. It's like we've forgotten our patience a little bit. It's like you got to live in it. you got to maybe fix up everything a little bit. Like maybe you're going to buy something a little bit older and then you're going to put a coat of paint on it or, or something. There's a way through all the challenges that come through real estate. Like like before, there's always an opportunity in real estate, whether it's what you own, what you want to own, where you want to upgrade to or downsize to. There's always an option. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things, too, is like uh, with a lot of clients like, oh, I want to buy a townhome. Well, right now you might not be able to buy a townhome and it doesn't mean it's for your ever home. You have to start somewhere. Right. So you buy a place, you get into a condo. You live for there for three years, then you sell it and then you buy, you know, a townhome. I have a client, they moved into their townhome probably, you know, seven years ago. And when they moved in, I said, oh, this is your first home. You know, the next one you might be buying a rental property. She's like, yeah, right. And you know what? Last year, I actually helped them buy a, a rental property. Now they have their townhome and they ended up buying another townhome in Chilliwack. Yeah, it's a little bit further, but they have now two properties, awesome. right? So that's the thing. It's just like, it's not your forever home. 
um, another client, they have a townhome, they wanted to buy a house, their kids are pretty well growing up. They're like, you don't really need more space. And they wanted to buy a house. And I said, it's going to cost you more money, more, more property taxes, like everything else. And so what we did is we actually refinanced and they ended up buying a, a townhome, another townhome. So now they have two properties instead of having one big house because they don't need the big house. Right. So, again, it's, it's just steps. And that's why also, too, is about finding the best mortgage. It's not only about the rate, because on average, people do something with their financing, whether they sell or they do something every three and a half years. And life does happen. Right. Because changes. So you want to be able to have that flexibility that, again, you're not paying huge penalties by paying your mortgage out early or something like that. So, again, it's looking at the overall strategy and really like, you know, like you said, is, you know, building by design is financed by design. It's exactly the same thing. It's like every person is different. And it's like, what is the best option for me? It's not like here's an application, fill it out and I'll get you the financing. Like, what are your plans? People email me and I'm like, I want to have a conversation with you mm -hmm. and I want to talk with you. I want to hear more about your plans. Like, what are you wanting to do? Right. And then I give the client options and then I'll do what the client wants. Right. But ultimately it's like, I'll give them ideas that they didn't probably didn't think of. Right. And those are strategies like everybody can get your financing, but it's not about the financing. It's about the strategy. And yeah. that's what I really focus on. And that's what Bobby does with, you know, when he builds and he designs for clients. Well articulated. I mean, that's that's the whole big picture piece here. I'm so happy and, and uplifted, honestly, to hear all of that. Um, we're short sighted, can be short sighted. Um, about a transaction. We're very transactional. Go back to the, the coin-operated example. We're transactional with our realtor. We're transactional with the bank teller. We're transactional with the car dealership. We're transactional with, you know, your iPhone purchase and your app. Everything's so transactional. We miss the big picture. And the big picture around financing and great case studies you study, um, shared with us, similarly, there's this knowledge holders, right? Traditionally, the knowledge holders held the knowledge. And it's been very tough for me to, to grow into this space, trying to figure out, hey, I own my own home. How do I buy a house? Why am I 35 years old and I only own one house? I should own two. How do I own three? And I had a finance background. I was a lender at Van City for a number of years. And it, there's this concept I call convergence, where Bobby was a software engineer. Bobby was a lender. Bobby's been around building. But it just didn't dawn upon me until I was about 38. And suddenly I was like, okay, hang on a second. There's all this knowledge. I've had to learn it all myself. And part of this team building, partner building approach to real estate, investment, development, whatever have you, buying your first property is all around, let's share this knowledge. It's not one person's to keep. It will not be mine to keep after I pass on. And for millennials or Gen X or what have you, the formula is there, building your team, having a larger vision. So I'll share a quick case study. Um, I had uh, a client who owned a Vancouver special home. They renovated it, lived there, had a few kids. And I said, listen, you're worth about 850 asset worth today. How about I told you in 18 months, I can get you a three and a half million. And it took many dinners, many bottles of wine, um, and a lot of numbers, because they're very numbers oriented, much like myself. So I, I remember very clearly having a couple of beers. And I said, listen, let's go get my laptop. And we drove to my house and we came back with my laptop and we had dinner and we talked. I said, this is the plan. We're going to, I'm going to show you how you're going to keep the house you have here. It's going to earn you four to $5,000 a month. Part of this payment here is going to go towards your new land purchase. You have X dollars in the bank. We're going to do your land purchase first. 
And then now, you know, they're probably worth three and a half. They've held both the properties. And I think we're overdue for a conversation and, and, um, <laughs> and talk about what their next move is here. And these are very conservative individuals, very conservative. But understanding the numbers and having the big picture, not short-sighted about the mortgage payment, the mortgage payment, the tenant, et cetera. So I just want to share that real quick. So thank you, Lisa, for bringing that out. Yeah, no, that's great advice, definitely, right? And then in your case, uh, Jennifer Lee, you mentioned that you wanted to buy something and maybe, you know, uh, renovate or do something because you might be buying a like a little bit older condo or townhome and that is um, a lot of people actually don't know about this but there's a program that is called purchase plus improvements where you can actually add the cost of the renovations into the mortgage right so that's actually a great program that um, could benefit some people that you know like they said is like they want to do some upgrades and want to change the flooring they want to change you know do some painting um, those kind of things. I mean, technically you can really, it wouldn't include the appliances because you can technically take those. Um, but any renovations, like if you want to renovate the bathroom or anything, it can be structural, but it would, is, it was just more like, like I said, it's, it's more like cosmetic in some ways that, you know, like tiles and flooring and paint and, you know, adding certain things. Definitely. That's a program that it's a lot beneficial for a lot of people. I didn't realize that at all. And it's so cool because like a lot of people that I talk to, um, they just don't want to deal with a renovation. They want to just buy brand new. And, and I think it's also like, oh, well, how much money am I going to have to spend into this? But um, realistically, when you're getting into the market, um, you know, sometimes you have to go into an older space. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to get creative. That's the thing I've taken from the last five or so minutes of the conversation is I can go online and apply for a mortgage. <clears throat> That doesn't mean that person is going to give me good advi financial advice. Elisa, we did work together on a mortgage. You gave me amazing advice. You helped me save a ton of money. And that level of concern and ongoing engagement, you just don't get everywhere. And that underscores the value of our team. But it also talks about the fact that there are creative ways around problems. Jennifer, you mentioned trying to get into the market. Well, I moved here in 2000 from Ontario where you could buy a house for $60,000. So I, I feel your pain. It's never been cheap to get into the Vancouver market, but here, here we are because I listened to smart people who gave me great advice and, and had my best interest in mind. And I know you will when the time is right as well. And it, it's just really great to hear this information. Are there any other creative ideas that you guys have for someone who's maybe either entering the market for the first time or like myself is entered the market previously, but then foolishly had extra kids and now needs more space? For today, I think get pre-approved for however that means what that means today, because that's shifted a bit to go buy a pre-sale. Go buy pre-sales. That's what I was actually thinking about. I've been looking into pre-sales. I'll hook you up. Perfect. Know, I'll talk to you after. I like this interview. I know interview. a guy <laughs> and, I, and a gal who can set you up That's for success. Hey, 100%. What, what about rent-to-own? I've heard that sort of kicked around a few times. Is that is that a valid thing in our housing market here? Is that a, a viable thing in our housing market here? Um, it definitely disappeared for a long time just because of the market. Um, but it definitely seems to be coming back. Funny enough, um, on my way here, I was talking to a lender about a rent-to-own because I have a client that has their existing home. Um, they don't want to sell it right now. And what they're going to do is they have, uh, they're doing a lent to, uh, sorry, rent-to-own agreement with the down payment that he's getting, the lump sum payment from, because uh, you still do a lump sum payment. With the lump sum payment, he's using that as a deposit or the down payment for another property he's going to buy, and he's going to be renting his first home in the meantime, and then eventually he will sell it to this um, to this couple uh, that is going to be renting his home for the next couple of years, and in the same time, they're going to be saving money. 
Um, it is very important that um, you speak to somebody in the beginning when a, a rent home agreement is done because you have to pay whatever the actual market rent of the property is, plus give them additional money that that will be going towards the down payment. So if the rent is 1500 and you give them, say, 1800 that $300 extra will be going towards your down payment. You can't just pay market rent and then not give any money. Um, and then there has to be certain specific uh, languaging in that rent-to-own agreement that the lenders will actually accept for the people that are doing the rent-to-own, not the one that, not the person that owns the property, but the people that eventually will be entering into um, the rent-to-own and eventually will be applying for their own financing because lenders do ask for specific um, languaging that has to be there and as well make sure that everything's registered the right way to be able to do that. Well, there's so much stuff to think about. I never even thought of all that. And then my other question is, a lot of people during COVID have started their own businesses or are freelancing more. And I know that sometimes that can be a hurdle to getting your mortgage because I have a few friends that have just gone through this process and they said it was a lot harder than it was when um, they were working for someone. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Yes, of course. Um, when you... I have to say the easiest way to get financing right now is yes, if you're an employee and you know you get paid a salary. When you're self-employed, it's funny enough because you obviously have more at risk and you work um, you work really hard to to make it go and and do whatever you need to do. Um, in that case, um, lenders like banks, for example, credit unions and mono lenders that only work with brokers, um, you have to have at least two tax years of um, taxes in order for, for them to qualify you because then, and they end up using your two-year average. Uh, when you're self-employed, uh, you, like I said, you need two tax years. Um, and as well as they will look at, um, there's two ways you can do it. One of them is income qualified. So you're qualifying based on what you're declaring your line. I guess they changed it now. It's like 15,000 um, line, or it used to be 150 line. Um, in your in your taxes and now or the other one is called stated income say okay you know what I might earn 80,000 but I have all these expenses so I only declare say I don't know 40,000 for example right or whatever it is then you're actually stated in your income um, there's insurers that actually will will approve those those mortgages um, now if you don't have the full two years um, there is a lenders is called the B lender, which in that case, um, they do charge a fee. The rate's a little bit higher, but they will look at alternative ways to show your credit. So in this case, for example, we can, the lender will look at say your bank statements for the last, you know, six months and seeing how much deposits are coming into your account. So then you can actually show it's like, okay, this is the income that is coming. We would see how much are your expenses. And then from there, um, you can actually get into the market. And I actually had a client a few years ago, which um, he he had been working for somebody. It was the same industry. He pretty well left. He's a consultant. Um, he left and started his own business and he wanted to buy this house. And I'm like, but I don't have the full two years. He was doing extremely well in his business. So I actually got him into, um, we did, we went to a B lender for a year. So then it allowed him for ha to have the full two tax years. And then once he was done with the two tax years, then in that, um, in that case, we went back to an A lender, um, again, the banks are credit unions, mono lenders, and then got him a lower rate. And he gave me, he said, Alisa, thank you so much for helping me and giving me this option. Because if we hadn't done at the timing, I would have been out of the market. 
Okay, so we touched a little bit about pre-sales, and I know that this is an option. Well, you just mentioned it, and I've heard from people that it's a good way for first-time home buyers to kind of get their foot in the market, especially now, because there's a lot of pre-sales on the market. Right, so part of that is is the inventory status. Um, a lot of folks, there's this eastward crawl where you had a condo in at $1,000 a foot in Yaletown, and now you're in Burnaby for six fifty a foot instead. So you're... You're competing against my nephew just bought a place and had to compete for that as his first buy um, that they're going to move out and, and start their life there. But they had to go through multiple offers. They had to get their financing secured in, in, in the first place. But the other option for them was look at a pre-sale because there's more units coming out than existing units. So if you have the leverage of time on your side, you're, you're secure where you're living now, um, whatever that arrangement might be, but you have time on your side so you can wait for that pre-sale. Now, from a pre-sales financing standpoint, that's going to be a different gig. Um, and I'll let Elisa chime in on that, please. Yes, because um, lenders will actually not secure, will give you financing now. Very few do, and that would be something to the developer. Um, sometimes developers do have um, different banks uh, that will help you with the financing and then will secure it now. However, it depends a lot on the builder, like on the developer. Not all of them offer it. And uh, so that can be a bit of a risk because you actually don't, they won't, you get, you won't get approval right now because lenders won't approve anything until you're 120 days out or even secure a rate, right? So that's one of the things you really need to look at the contracts as well because developers starting putting certain clauses that if you actually assign that contract, you would pay like a 2% fee on top of whatever the price is. So if you sell it higher, and the, the reality, too, is like, again, it could be a great option, but you like anything, like anything we're talking about today, you really need to analyze your risk as well, because things life changes. Um, I was talking to a realtor. They bought a place. You know, she was single at that time um, because some pre-sales are taking five times, five years to build, three years to build, you know, and then she bought a one bedroom place. Now, um, you know, she's married, she has two kids and they, they're living in this place and it's like 600 square feet with two kids. Do you know what I mean? So again, life changes. So you also have like when Bobby was mentioning, is like, what are your plans in the next few years? You also have to see that when you're actually looking at buying a condo, because if not, you're going to have to complete on that condo. So the, the couple levers there then is, you know, from a pre-sale perspective is I'm living at home or I'm living with a best friend, we're renting. I'm saving some money. I have a bit of money saved. I pull up from my RSPs as a first time buyer, 25 grand. That could make up your, your down payment mm -hmm. um, to the developer. And then based on the contract, as long as that reads appropriately and your lifestyle looks that way, then it's like, okay, I have the option to move into this in three years to completion. If that doesn't work out, well, what are the rents like in that area? So again, having that conversation early on in with your finance mortgage broker, and understanding your numbers and cash flow situation. So you have two options there. One is I buy this pre-sale, I complete on it, or I flip it, make a bit of money, even if the developer takes 2%, maybe there's some margin there after the realtor takes commission. Um, but maybe it's a developer's realtor anyway. So there's a few, there's a bunch of pieces in there, but there's at least two options in a pre-sale. One is you get to park some money you already have saved up, hopefully, in your RSP, 25 Gs, put that down on this pre-sale continue your life as it is, unit comes available, then you make that decision point of, do I move in based on how my life has shifted or changed or do I sell it? 
the thing is, if you actually do decide to rent it, um, when you're buying a property, depending on the value, um, I mean, you put as little as 5% down, right, as a down payment, um, as long as the property is less than half a million and it's 5%, sorry, yes, as long as it's half, percent, it's half a million and you pay 10% on the balance between half a million to like 99999, right? Um, however, if you're looking at buying a property and you're going to end up renting it, you're going to have to come up with more down payment because you have to have right now at least 20% down payment if it's going to be a rental property, right? So it's, so if your life changes and you're, you can't sell it until after you complete, then at that point, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to put at least 20% down, right? right? So again, you need to analyze all the things. I'm pre-sales. Yes. Can be a great option for a lot of people. But again, you have to look at what are the benefits and what are your risks at that time as well. So contingency planning is what you're referring to is in the event, I have three years now, how much do I have to save mm -hmm. to get to that 20% mark? So my risk mm -hmm. is hedged. So again, I guess without getting into the weeds of it all, talk to your banker, build your team, get together, have the upfront conversation, ask yourself about the reality of what your reality looks like today and the reality of where you're headed to in the next three years or five years, whatever that completion is. Life will happen, mm -hmm. but at least you can do some planning today. Yeah, there's so many options. I've even thought about that as like, if I bought a pre-sale, could I put a renter in it? But not even that, I, even to get my foot in the market, I was like, if I bought further out, because I have a great place that I live in at the moment, I was like, would it be more beneficial for me to buy a further out at a cheaper price and then stick a renter in there? So there's just so many different things that I've gone over with people. But. And you know what? A lot of it is like, I know you guys talked in previous episodes about aging in place and stuff. And what's happening a lot is um, I have another couple. They have a lot of um, down payment and a lot of equity in their property. They have a townhome. And now they're looking actually of selling that townhome using that huge equity and buying a house with their daughter and their family. Um, so then the mom and dad will be leaving downstairs and then the kids with their kids will be leaving upstairs, right? And then the kids, the grandparents will continue to be able to help with the kids and everything else while the parents are working. So that's actually happening a lot more where couples are actually going together or close friends are going together and buying properties together. So it's great. So again, it allows people to actually still get into the market and doing it or two best friends, they're doing the same thing. So again, there's a lot of options. Sometimes it's just thinking outside the box of what we're normally used to. Bobby and Elisa, the episode has been so informative. You've both given Mike and I and our listeners a lot of great information to help us decide how to leverage our properties to work for us. Oh, we've talked about so much this season about making your house work for you. But I've really appreciated the conversation we've had today and learning about how to make your property work for you. I'm going to summarize some of the things we learned today because there's so much great information. I don't want to miss anything. Number one, build your team early in the process, whether it's financing, realtor, builder, design, renovator whatever get that team in place right away number two financing is the first step to know how much but also knowing how much you are willing to spend so you can make an educated decision from a place of strength and number three considering all options and determining your goal and then engaging the right team of people to make those things happen Bobby and Elisa if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice each what would that piece of advice be? We're going to start with Elisa because we're going in alphabetical order today. Really do what is right for you. Don't worry about what's happening in the economy, what's happening with policy rates or anything else. Do it when it's the right time for you because that's the most important. The rest will work out itself. Right on. So I would say, you know, live your best life. Define that. 
have that difficult conversation with yourself and maximize your value in your, in your life and this journey here. Figure it out, get engaged early, build your team and know your team, ask questions. And if people loved what they were hearing today, and I know they do, um, are there any resources you'd like to share for listeners or how they can find you if they have any questions? Yes, absolutely. Um, they can actually contact me through my website at financingpros.ca. You can reach Bobby at uh, bdchomesinc.com. Use our MaxVal calculator to understand how we can help you maximize your property value and live your best life. Well, thanks, Bobby and Elisa. This has been an amazing episode. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, like, and share with your friends and families. The more followers we have, the more people find our podcast and the excellent resources our guests are sharing. I'm learning so much about how to buy into, well, this crazy market. So thank you for sharing your knowledge, the ideas and insight I have gained this season. Learning about buying and renovating the homes right for me has just been amazing. Oh, so true, Jennifer Lee. Season two is full of insight and knowledge from industry experts. I encourage everyone to download the entire season. Each episode has been informative, relevant, and it has something for everyone, whether you're building new or renovating. Make sure you check out the podcast page, haven.ca forward slash measure twice at cut once for additional resources from today's amazing episode with Bobby and Elisa. Anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. Thanks. This has been Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association, Vancouver. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and links to everything mentioned on today's episode, go to haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once. Follow us and review us to help empower homeowners like yourself to make the right decision the first time. Until next time, this is Mike Friedman. I'm Jennifer Lee. Reminding you to measure twice and cut once. Is it time to upgrade to a vehicle that's right for your needs today? Get all the options you need at todaysdrive.com. Brought to you by Black Press Media. We'll get you into the perfect vehicle without the struggle of hours spent trying to find what's right for you. We're here to help make your search quick and easy, connecting you with a huge inventory of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs. Powered by Black Press Media. Visit todaysdrive.com.